Welcome to the Dollar Wise Podcast. At HFM, one of the most significant values we provide our clients is leveraging our experience helping hundreds successfully navigate through life's transitions. On this podcast, our advisor team explores some of the questions we get every day from our clients. We share some insights on financial topics, and we interview some fantastic professionals from our vast network. Our hope is that you leave with some food for thought and some good ideas to consider. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Dollar Wise Podcast. My name is Tyler Reedman. I'm a certified financial planner and financial advisor here at HFM Investment Advisors. I am also joined by my colleague, Jason Gabrielli. Hey, guys. Good to be here, Tyler. Awesome. So on today's episode, kind of setting the stage, we want to talk about the number one topic that is on investors' minds, on our clients' minds, really on everybody's minds, and it is the market. It is definitely not having a stellar year so far. Yeah, 2022 has not been kind to yeah. the stock market, the bond market, you name it. Things are definitely down by the mark that most people use when they flip on the news. What's today? The 19th? Yeah. Today's October 19th and the S&P Time 500 is down. Yeah, right. Because God knows what tomorrow will hold. About 22% for the year. So you can see that you know it's been a lot of up and down throughout the year, but we're sitting at what would be considered bear market territory, over 20% decline in the market in a one-year period. And it's scary. You know, people, we know we're seeing clients come in and they're asking questions and they want to know, you know, what they should be doing now that the market is down, if anything. Yeah, 100%. And what we always come back to talking to our clients and other investors is as the basis of our planning for people, we have to assume that it will eventually come back. It will get back to where it was before and exceed those down the line for a couple of reasons, right? First, history tells a story, right? History has told us this has happened dozens of times in the past, and we like to go by history. And second, we always talk about it really beats the alternative. And just to set a kind of a grim picture, if we look at the alternative, that's an area where the market goes down and down and down and just never comes back. And we always say, if that were the case, you know, the value of the dollar, the value of an investment account really wouldn't come into play as much anymore. We'd be more concerned about ammunition and food yeah, than the value exactly. of a dollar. You know, that's one of the things that we hear from clients is that especially our clients are getting on in years, getting into retirement, maybe just starting retirement or in the first year or two, or, or just looking at retirement, you know, they get this, this feeling like they don't have enough time. They don't feel like they have time like they did when they were younger for it to come back. And so, you know, as you mentioned, we have to go on this assumption that it's going to come back because obviously greed endures. If we know anything about American society, people will start buying again and it will come back up. But when we look historically, you mentioned that, right? How long, you know, we did a whole podcast on this a couple months ago, but yeah. it takes about a year and a half historically for most of the bear markets to come back to where they were. So is that a long time, especially when you're living through it and it's painful and you're looking at your statements and you lost money? Absolutely. You know, there's nothing, no magic beans to make you feel better about that. You know, our job as advisors, when we talk to our clients is to make sure that they don't take that pain and that anxiety and fear and turn it into action that could really derail their financial plan and their investment plan long-term. Absolutely. And we talked about that 22% number, right? Where we are right now. What a lot of people don't always recognize right away is that if we go into the assumption the market will come back eventually, it actually 
we'll have to go up 28% to get back to where we were before. So if we're at $100 in the market right now, it's down 22%, that's $78. Want to get us back to $100 of our original investment has to come up 28%. So if we're that long-term investor, right? If we are investing for the long-term and we are of the mindset of the philosophy that it will come back, we are basically setting ourselves up for a 20% return or more down the line. So that's something to always consider as you're getting that long-term investment mindset on. But kind of switching a gear here real quick, one of the things we like to talk about is, yes, while it stinks, there are a lot of opportunities and things you can be doing for your investment account at this time while the market is down. And these are things that we're doing on our clients' accounts frequently. And and for the average investor or do-it-yourself investor who's not as familiar with these strategies, we would figure we'd share these with some high-level examples, not to get too technical. But it really is. There's a plethora of strategies out there that you can use to save on taxes and to boost your long-term returns. So the first one we like to talk about is this concept of tax-loss harvesting, TLH. Tax-loss harvesting has to do with taxable investment accounts, non-retirement investment accounts. So not like your employer 401k or your IRA. This has to do more with like an individual brokerage account or a joint account, perhaps at your spouse, or maybe even a trust account. And we know with those accounts, when we buy or sell securities, there are tax consequences, right? We may lock in a capital gain or a capital loss, depending on if we have a gain or a loss in the account. Well, take an example of Let's say we had $100,000 in Apple going into this year. And let's say it was down 30% up to this point. It's probably somewhere around there. Call it 20 to 30%. So let's say our $100,000 investment is now $70,000. Well, we don't want to sell that and just knock it back on the market because now we just took that loss, right? And we're not going to get back for the potential upside. So what if hypothetically, and I'm not saying you should do this with your Apple stock, but this is the concept. We sold that Apple stock at $70,000. And then immediately, once we had those proceeds, we bought back $70,000 of a similar company like Microsoft, for example. Well, what do we do from an investment standpoint? We locked in $30,000 of realized capital losses. And we were never out of the market because if and when Microsoft comes back somewhat in tandem, hopefully with Apple, we stand to reap those gains. So that $30,000, think of it like a bank of losses now that you can use to offset future gains. And if you don't have future gains, the IRS actually lets you deduct $3,000 each year from your income tax return. So you could hypothetically deduct $3,000 for 10 straight years off your taxes. So Again, while it's not fun, Apple was down in that case, we can do some things from a tax perspective to boost our overall plan. Yeah, tax loss harvesting is a little bit of a a complex topic, but the way you explained it and the way you laid it out, it makes a lot of sense if you understand how gains taxes work and how a loss can help you in the future. It could definitely be a useful strategy that, like you said, we use for our clients now. Another thing that comes to mind is Roth conversions. And that's something that our listeners may have heard of at some point. But basically, it's when you take a tax-qualified investment account like an IRA and you convert it to what's called a Roth IRA. And the biggest difference is when you put money into an IRA or when you put money into a 401k and moved it to an IRA, you didn't pay tax on the money you put in. And the money that's growing in there, you don't pay taxes on. But eventually, when you take it out in retirement, that's when you pay the taxes. As a reminder, a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k is the opposite. You don't get any tax deduction for the money you put in today, 
it grows tax-free, but then when you go to take it out, you don't pay any taxes. So one of the advantages of strategy is getting IRA money that is eventually going to be taxed into a Roth IRA so that when it goes down down the road, you don't pay taxes. So an idea when the market is down is if a Roth conversion is something that is attractive to you or that makes sense in your financial plan. To give you an example, if you had a $100,000 IRA at the beginning of the year and it was in the S&P 500 index fund, well, now it's a $78,000 IRA, right? And if you wanted to convert that anyway, you would now be converting a smaller amount. Instead of $100,000, you're converting $78,000. And when the market comes back up, it's going to come back up in the Roth IRA, which will never be taxed as opposed to in the IRA. What's the big advantage here is that when you convert assets from an IRA to a Roth IRA, you are actually taxed on that entire amount. So you get a 1099 for however much you converted. You don't get penalized if you're under retirement age, there's no 10% penalty, but you do pay tax on it. Just stacks on top of your ordinary income. So by converting a smaller amount and letting it grow back in the Roth, you're actually getting taxed on a smaller amount. Yeah. Sign me up for the $78,000 conversion as opposed to the tax bill on the hundred, a little more hefty. Another one we always like to talk about with our clients from a proactive investment trading standpoint is rebalancing. It is so important. It's very important when the stock market is doing great, right? And let's say hypothetically, we have a 60-40 portfolio. What I mean by that is 60% stocks and 40% bonds, which is somewhat of a balanced portfolio. I would say a lot of our retired clients are in that boat. And let's say we have a few great years in the market and now it becomes 70% stocks and 30% bonds. It might not seem like the end of the world, but our portfolio is now out of balance. It is out of our desired risk level, what our original investment model said we wanted. Likewise, when the market is down. So if stocks were to go down a ton like they have so far this year, that portfolio could be closer to 50-50, let's say, or 55-45. And in that case, it might seem counterintuitive, but in a lot of ways, what you want to do is potentially sell some of the bonds that have been performing a little bit better. I say that because they haven't done so great so far this year as well, but they've been doing better than stocks. So if you sell a little bit of the bonds while they've been performing better and buy more of the stocks while they're down, we are in essence what we call buy low, sell high. And it's funny because everybody knows that saying, but when it comes time to actually do it or do it periodically and systematically, it's so counterintuitive. And it's like, why would I do this? Why would I sell this thing that's doing really well? But the things with the higher long-term expected returns are actually the things that aren't doing as well right now because they have more room to come back and grow. And it's so important to do something like rebalancing almost automatically or systematically. Not emotionally. Because it's really hard to pull that trigger right now when you're like, wait, I'm going to sell the thing that did a little bit better. And I'm going to buy the thing that just seems to be like, tanking every day. It's so counterintuitive. So doing it as part of an automated strategy or, or mentally making it automated on yourself is really important because long-term, it definitely benefits in most cases historically. I would say probably we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the giant elephant in the room, which is <laughs> talk about something that's counterintuitive, right? If you have cash. I mean, there are people who've had very good years in their earnings or in their businesses or sold businesses or sold houses or whatever. And a lot of the questions that we get is, well, what do I do with this money? And well, I think we talked about earlier in our conversation that just as we stand today for the S&P 500 to return back to where it was, which we know it will eventually, it has to go up 28%. So it's almost like a coiled spring. Like there's going to be at least a 28% return at some point. And so 
if it fits into your long-term investment plan and if it fits into your long-term financial plan, buying stocks today, if you have cash, buying even bonds today, because they're down, yields are up, right? So putting money into the market when it's down is counterintuitive. Again, buying low, selling high, it's, it's the golden rule of investing, but it's hard to do because people get hung up on this idea of it. Well, what if it's not at the bottom yet? And you probably won't nail the bottom. Like it'll probably go down more. Yeah. But if we go five years from now when things are all back it's a blip. and up and you look back, you're going to be pretty happy that you bought at a 22% discount, even if you didn't hit a 26% discount or whatever. So investing money that you have on the sidelines that you're not planning to use for anything, doesn't have a job right, right now, right. it's long-term money for part. retirement or 10 years from now or 15 years from now or whatever. You have to evaluate in your current situation, but you know, things are on sale. At the end of the day, it's a really good point too, because I think to your point, some people may just be stacking cash right now, whether it be just doing well or doing well with the business, right? And it's easy to keep it all in cash right now, especially with savings rates coming up a little bit. You know, you see some some high yield savings now getting two to three yeah. percent, which is not a lot in history, but compared to where they were a couple of years ago, which was virtually zero, it feels pretty good. But we always have to counter that with. We have to look where inflation is and inflation's somewhere between eight and 10%, depending on what metrics you look at. And what is our real return then on our savings? Negative 6%, negative 7%. And it's like, we understand and are totally understanding of the fact that, yeah, you would have done worse if you had it in the market and in stocks this year. But in the long term, we talk about it needs to come back 28% and all these other things. We know that the stock market and investing is the best hedge long term against inflation. Only so the companies that are increasing prices ultimately are going to be your best hedge against inflation. And you know, we talked, I think, three or four things what you can do during times like this. But we got to mention our little public service announcement. Let's talk about the big hairy thing you should not do. And that's panic. And that's cut and run out of the market or sell to cash or or let the fear and anxiety that you might be feeling actually force you to take action in your portfolio. Now, if you're going to use that money for something in the next year or two, then maybe you have something. Different conversation. About. But if you're talking about your overall investable assets that you're using for retirement or that you're using for long-term plans, panicking at times like this is probably one of the worst things that you can do long-term. We have so many clients that come to us that have been clients for years that made that mistake in 2008 before they were clients of ours. And, and they talk about it now. You know, They're scared and they're free, but they say, I'll never do that again. So as scared as I am and as fearful as I might be or anxious as I might be, I'm not selling out because it bit me once. And you just have to be really, really careful with that. And so as far as covering most of the things that we think you should do, you should be thinking about in a market like this, one of the big things you definitely should not be doing. And we just appreciate everybody listening to this episode of the Dollar Rise Podcast. And please, as a reminder, if you haven't subscribed yet and you want, to get, those, <laughs> you want to get those reminders every time we put a new episode on, I'll make sure you subscribe. You. You. That's right. Apple, Amazon. I'm making a list. Yeah, we got it all. Check so it make twice. Sure you, make sure you subscribe so you don't get on Tyler's naughty list. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> See you guys. Take care. Right, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Dollar Wise Podcast. At HFM, our mission is to educate and empower our clients to make wise financial decisions. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at hfmadvisors.com. The Dollar Wise Podcast is presented by HFM Investment Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor firm. 
All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer for sale or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. All investments involve risk and are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as a recommendation appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.